Come on, come on. Today is a good day. Again, I'm excited about today's message. If you're joining us online today, we're excited that you're with us. And I uh, hope that one day you'll actually be with us, with us. All right. And uh, come on, y'all. We, we've only got like a month left, right? <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, right. All right. Um, 21 is going to be a great year. We're just going to go ahead and just, you know, like prophesy that, right? Just kind of, right? Like, I don't know if that's really a thing, like in regards to being able to speak 21 into a better year, but we'll just try our best, right? It's a, uh, it's been a good one. But in case you don't know who I am, I know we've got a lot of new people here today. My name is Jordan. I'm the pastor here at Northwood Church, and we are one church, four locations, and uh, we're excited about that because in about, I think it's eight weeks now, uh, we are going to be having weekly services in our Ocean Springs location. So we are very, very excited about that. Actually, today, um, as soon as we leave here, a team of us are going to Ocean Springs to uh, continue training the production team and the worship team there. And then tonight, we've got a launch party and uh, very, very excited about that to be able to share heart and vision about what, uh, what this church is going to look like. And so, so anyway, I want y'all to be praying for, uh, for the launch team, be praying for Pastor Stephen as there's a whole lot that goes into starting a new location uh, on a good day, let alone in a pandemic. Like, it's just this whole other thing, right? So, so churches that are being started all over America right now are trying to figure out what does that look like. Uh, you know, week to week, you kind of don't know what's going to be going on. And so, <clears throat> so it's been fun, to say the least. But we are excited. We know that God's going to do great things and that there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus right now in Ocean Springs, that a church is coming and a people are coming to, uh, to bring Jesus to them. So we're excited about that. Uh, look, a couple things before we get into the message today. I wanted to let you guys know uh, that, that um, uh, well, you guys probably already know this through the news, but there, was, there were two massive hurricanes that went through uh, the Nicaragua area. And in that area, we've got uh, churches that we've helped to support over the years through um, an organization called the Surge Project. And so we've been supporting them for a very, very, very long time. And some of those churches have been uh, not just affected, but a lot of the people who live around there, their homes are just completely destroyed and it's, it's a mess. And so even though we might not be able to all get in a car and drive over there to, to bring relief, what we can do is, uh, is, is give money to support in order for them to be able to eat, in order for them to be able to get the supplies that they need. And so that's exactly what we're going to be doing today. Uh, we're going to take, um, well, well, first off, every time that we give, every week that we give, we, we take at least 10% of what we take in and it immediately goes back to different mission organizations, uh, local and globally, to, to help people in a lot of different situations, to help church uh, plant churches, to help um, even people locally. We support Women's Resource Center, uh, multiple food pantries. We support all sorts of people. And so today what we wanna do is we wanna take 10% um, like normal off of what we take in today as well as an additional $5,000. And we're gonna send this to the Surge Project this week in order to help with these churches. So I want you to know that. So today, you know, pray about how much you should give, but, uh, but, but let's give, let's give and let's help the people. Um, you know, we've been hearing from James Percival. Uh, they, they, they're always down there. Actually, a team of you, I know, went, to, uh, went down there, what, a couple of years ago, the Rio Coco? Uh, I don't know, I know Brent went. Is Brent even in here? I don't even know. Yeah, is that where it was? Yeah, yeah. So you actually went where all this, all this damage is actually taking place. So, so anyway, we want to help them. 
And so, we, and I also want to pray for them right now because, um, you know, for us, whenever we go through a storm, it's bad, but we have a lot of support. We have a lot of agencies, a lot of national things that, that kick into gear. Uh, what happens whenever you don't have all of that? It's just, can you imagine the fear and, and, the, and the, the fear that's going on? Although I did see a video of, of them having church, one of the churches having church in ankle deep water, uh, sitting in chairs and still singing together. And it was beautiful. And so, um, so, you know, we just wanna pray that God would continue to supply their every need, but we're also gonna be a part of helping that process as well. So let's pray. Father, we pray for the churches that have been affected and all the people that have been affected by these hurricanes. God, we are praying that your, that your grace would be sufficient for them. God, we, we can only imagine what's going on right now in these areas. And so, Father, we pray that the grief would be uh, replaced by grace. God, that your presence would, be, uh, would meet them in a special way. Father, that, that through all of this chaos and all of the fear and the sadness, Father, that you would help the church to rise up and to bring Jesus, to bring hope to the hopeless. God, we pray that you would take the money that we're giving and that it would go to the proper places, that it would feed the proper people. And Father, we thank you for, for God, we thank you for Surge Project, for being faithful for so many years to, uh, to, to start churches all over the world and to also be a resource to these people. So we pray that you would also bless them in their efforts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Well, all right. What do you believe? Quick recap. We've been talking about what we believe as Christians for the last few months. We've talked about what we believe about God. We've talked about what we believe about Jesus, what we believe about the Holy Spirit. And this month, we're talking about what we believe about the church. And uh, a lot of times, whenever we start talking about what someone believes about the church, immediately people go to what we call methodology which is how you do something, the method in which you use in order to accomplish something, a certain mission. And, uh, and although a lot of what we do is very visible and it matters you know, how we do things, but if, if we don't have the mission in order, if we don't know why we're doing it, then, then the cart's before the horse and things get weird. You know what I'm talking about? It gets weird. So, so people start fighting about or have you know, very heated discussions about how people do church and um, instead of why we're doing it in the first place, right? So week one, we talked about uh, what we believe about the church, our identity as the body of Christ, as the family of God. Anytime that you refer to a church, I would challenge you to think of it through the lens of a family, not through the lens of an organization or some sort of club. But whenever you talk about a church, this church, another church, okay? I want you to, th to think about that church as a family, like, like a community. Now, we are a part of the overall church, the big C, the big church, right? But, but, but there are local expressions of that in a lot of different uh, communities. Obviously, man, how, what, what, it'd be crazy if there was one church of Gulfport, right? That'd be nuts, just one giant church. That's not the case. There's a lot of different churches. And I think it's great. There's a lot of different expressions of what it means to be the church. But whatever church you're a part of, you have to look at it like it's your family. I really believe that. I've always believed that. And, and, and I think we, we mess up whenever we begin to look at a, a church as a community, uh, sort of like a, um, like a club or like a gym. You know, like we pay our 10 bucks to be a part of the gym. And then, but like, we don't know people. We're not a part of it. And then if one thing goes wrong, we're out. You know what I'm saying? Like to me, that's not family. I don't do that with my family, right? Now, 
are there times whenever there, there, there's, a, there's a time for maybe a breaking or maybe a, a, a moving on from a certain church? Yes, absolutely, right? So we're not like, like in bondage to that family, but at the same time, I, don't think, I, I think that in America, we're pretty flippant when it comes to, to churches, you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times we look at it as like an organization rather than a family. And whenever we read about the body of Christ, we don't, we don't see it referred to as some sort of flippant thing. It's like we are, we are one, one with another. We should love one another. We should bear with one another. We should, we should uh, disciple people and evangelize together. Like we should build the kingdom together, right? And so anyway, we talked about who we are. Last week, we began to talk about what we do. And we begin to talk about missiology, what our mission is as a church. And we talked about the great commandment the great commission, right? That we are called to something, not just to sit in a chair or not just to attend, but literally we live on mission. And so today we're gonna continue on in that conversation of what we do. Now, last week we talked about our mission statement. And we told you that our mission statement is that, that we build Christ-centered communities who help people know God, grow in Christ, and go in the power of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. And so what we wanna do is we wanna talk about our mission as a church through this lens over the next couple of weeks. And the next two weeks ultimately are about these two subjects. This week is about discipleship, and next week is about evangelism. What do those things look like through the lens of our mission statement? How do we view it? How do we approach uh, what it means to be the church? So we are the family of God, but being the church also has attached to it a mission, an action, movement, progress, not just, okay, now I'm good and now I just sit. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? All right, so this is what we're gonna do today as well. We're gonna be like a little bit more interactive. All right, like I realize like this week is Thanksgiving and I realize like we're, we're all ready for the holidays, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like a little bit of, amen. yeah, I mean something, an amen, a, a nod with a smile, you know, any of those are, are acceptable, you know? I am a human being standing on a platform looking at you. We are here together, all right? <laughs> Still some of you don't laugh. I don't know. Anyway, it's all good. It's all good. My goal is to make you laugh by the end of this time. We'll see if it works. What does it mean to be a disciple? Okay, we've all, we've all heard the, the word disciple. Most of the time, whenever we say disciple, it is in regards to something in the Bible or, or you know, you, you hear this word disciple. But a lot of times we make it solely a, uh, a biblical word. But the word disciple, it means a student of an apprentice, a follower of someone or something, right? And so this word, if we, if we look at it from that lens, it kind of expands the application of it. But I do want you to understand this, is that all of us are being discipled by something or someone, okay? The whole idea that you're not being discipled, or you're not, or you are not a disciple of something, is sort of like whenever we talk about faith, how all of us, we have faith, we have a system of belief and we're placing that belief in something. Whether we say we have faith or not, it doesn't matter, you have faith, 
okay? And so it's the same thing with being a disciple. We are all being shaped and formed into something, into a person, the way that we think and the way that we act by something or someone. It's, it's happening to all of us. Every single time that you turn on the TV, every single time that you open up Facebook, every single time that you have a conversation with somebody, every single time that you do anything, you're being formed by what it is that uh, you're interacting with. And I mean, I think, you know, unless you were born on the side of a mountain, just literally by yourself, just, just dropped off like and had no interaction with anyone ever. Maybe you're not discipled, you know, um, unless like Mowgli for <laughs> the Jungle Book, he was raised by a bear. So, I mean, even then, right, you're going to be raised by, that probably wouldn't happen. You'd probably be eaten immediately. But, uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like we have input, we're formed by, by something. And so for us as the church, we are being formed, hopefully, hopefully we're being discipled in the ways of Jesus, right? Like hopefully that is the, that, that, that's the, 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 the track that we're on. And as a church, ultimately we're seeking to make disciples of Christ, followers of Christ, people who are students of, of Jesus. And if you look in the Bible, you'll see whenever Jesus went up to these men, they were young men. Some of them were still teenagers. And he'd go up to them, and, and in certain, they were in certain settings, but some of them were, were fishermen, right? And he'd walk up and he'd say something like, you know, well, we, we, we read, follow me. <laughs> and they're, they're like, sure. They just drop everything and follow him. And um, I don't know about you, but whenever I read those, those parts, it's, it's kind of strange to me because why would somebody drop everything that they're doing to follow some random dude that walked up to him, Right? Um, and it, it's usually because we don't know the context of what's going on. You see, Jesus was looked at as a rabbi. He was a, he was a teacher. And so for these young people, they knew who this man was. And as he came up and he invited them to follow him, what that meant is that they were being asked by a rabbi to follow them and that he would teach them his ways, that he would teach them his interpretations of scripture. He would teach them how to do life. And so this was actually a, um, this was a big deal. This was a big moment in their, in their, their walks, in their life. And so, you know, kind of like for us, if you sat under a certain professor or whatever, you could kind of, you know, hey, I graduated from this university. You kind of have like this diploma or whatever. It's generally the same thing. And so they, they drop everything that they had. And, and I think that's, what's interesting is some of them, they're in the family business, man. Right? They got some momentum going in life and they drop what they have going on in order to follow Jesus because that's what they had to do to truly follow him. They had to leave everything behind. And it's really not supposed to be much of a difference for us as people today when it comes to following Jesus. Whenever Jesus calls us, and each of you who are born again, who are saved, you know the moment for you whenever Jesus called you. That moment where, where the way that you were living uh, uh, lost purpose, right? Maybe you didn't have any purpose at all already, but, but, but there was something greater that called you out of that darkness, out of that purposeless life into something greater. That moment, that's when Jesus said, follow me to you. And at that moment, we begin this process of really becoming a disciple, becoming a follower of Christ. You see, that initial call is the first step, but it's just the initial step of what it looks like to become a disciple. Y'all, 
These guys followed Jesus around for over three years and they still were like not getting it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, come on, you would think that if you were around Jesus himself for three years, that you would, you'd have it figured out. Like all the mysteries of the word would be exposed and you would be like, I don't know, doing incredible things, right? No, they still didn't get it. I think it's also, you know, funny. Sometimes people think that, you know, different pastors or leaders, church leaders, or just even people in the general body think that, you know, if, man, if I could just get that person, if I could just tell them exactly what to do and like, like they're gonna, you know, they're gonna really, then I'm like, man, I don't know, Jesus Jesus kind of invested a lot of time into people and they still struggled. So like, don't think too highly of yourself. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Like, because people are people. And so the disciples, they are disciples of Jesus, but yet they're still stumbling and falling and trying to figure this thing out. Why? Because they're in the process of being a disciple. And, and this thing that we're talking about, it does have a beginning, but it continues on. But this, this was a big deal for them, big deal. So I wanna read this to you. In the first century Jewish world, being a disciple was all about one key word, imitation. When a disciple followed a rabbi, the goal wasn't merely to master the rabbi's teachings, but also to imitate the way he lived, how he prayed, studied, taught, served the poor, and lived out his relationship with God day to day. So this term hasn't changed. This is exactly how we, we wanna imi- be imitators of Christ, right? We wanna be imitators of Christ. And so the same is true for us today, but we have to surrender and we have to be transformed. There is a cost of what it means to be a disciple. There's a cost. And so if you think that following Jesus is, is like the same as not following Jesus, except you just say things like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. If that's the only delineator between you, a, a saved person and a lost person, like that's not, that's not an adequate definition. That's not an adequate, uh, uh, that's just not an adequate thought process when, it, when we're talking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. There are parts of us that need to be transformed in order, to, you know, in order for us to really follow Christ. So a disciple disciple of Jesus recognizes two fundamental truths. And and before we really jump into the meat, I think it's important for you to realize this. Two fundamental truths. Number one is that you got to understand the truth about yourself. That you are wicked, sinful, apart from God, right? I, I, I find that a lot of people find it difficult to actually say that they are sinful and broken and messed up born in sin, born in sin. Because a lot of us, we wanna think that there's good in us, right? And this is a big concept in our culture right now that, that, that as humans, we are just innately good, right? But, but I wanna let you know that, that you're innately bad. <laughs> you're just innately bad. Like that's, if you leave a kid to themselves, they are horrible human beings. They really are. They're cute. God had to make them cute for us so that way we would continue to love them, but they are selfish. They lie. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're, but we love them. And then as they get older, they just mask it better. Come on. Honestly, the older, the older that I get, the older that I get, the more I realize that adults are just like kids, except we don't cry as much and we have mortgages. That's about, that's about the only difference. Other than that, we're just as dis- dysfunctional as anyway. All right. So you got to know the truth about yourself. I think it's important. And number two, you got to know the truth about what you're made for your purpose, all right? And these things need to be transformed. So let's jump into this. 
As a disciple of Christ, what areas of my life need to be transformed? As a disciple of Christ, what areas of my life need to be transformed? Number one, my heart. My heart needs to be transformed. There's a famous scripture in Ezekiel 36 that says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will, re will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. One thing I know is that God wants to take out the heart of stone that we are born with and give us a heart of flesh that, that hears him, that knows him, that responds to him. Our heart needs to be transformed. Why? Because we are by ourselves. we are wicked, we are broken, we're born in sin. And so our heart needs to be transformed, literally transformed into a new heart. Verse 27, and I will also, I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Again, a heart that knows and obeys God. So many people want to, they want to jump to behavior. They want to jump to behavior into their conduct as a Christian before they deal with the condition of being a sinner. Our heart needs to be transformed so that all of these other things happen, yes. But if this doesn't happen, all we're talking about is behavior modification. And that doesn't last very long. It's sort of like braces on your teeth. You know, you, you get braces, you put them on there, you take the braces off, they're all nice. But if you don't wear that retainer, they're gonna be jacked up in just a couple of years. I'm just letting you know that right now, right? You know, like I've had braces twice. So I know exactly what I'm talking about, you know? You gotta keep that retainer on, man, because, because we, we have this tendency to go back to this old way of thinking, this old way of acting. Our hearts need to be transformed in order to obey. Don't put the cart before the horse. Number two, our thoughts need, be, need to be transformed. We're talking about what does it look like to be a disciple? Our heart is transformed, but guess what? Our thoughts need to be transformed. The way that we think, the way that we think about the world. Colossians 3 says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Set your minds, a command for you to set your mind. This is one reason why um, meditation is such an important part of our lives. And I don't mean some sort of new age meditation. Did you know that meditation is actually a biblical thing? Okay. Meditate on things that are above. Meditate on the word. Meditation through prayer. Some, where you are literally setting your mind on something that's, that's higher, that, that has, uh, uh, again, the scripture talks about setting our minds on, on things that are pure and holy, right? We literally take our thoughts and we put them into subjection underneath the word of God, underneath Jesus, underneath, and we align ourselves with him. This is like a practice, and this is something that we work towards and we strive for, but we are to set our minds on things that are above, not on things on this earth. I want you to think right now about yesterday, how many times that you actually took what you were thinking and you literally set your mind on something else other than just what your natural self wanted to think about. Every time that you opened up Facebook and you begin to feel the anger rise up inside of you for all the things that people are saying and doing, right? Every time that, that like you, somebody cut you off in traffic and you felt that, that rage, right? None of you? None of you, okay. Then I'm just preaching to myself today. But you know, we were like, okay, okay, I gotta set my mind. I'm, I'm talking like literally practically, 
That's what it looks like sometimes. But there's also this deeper transformation of your thoughts. Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hey guys, as the church, as Christians, the world is consistently trying to make us conform to its image. And that's never gonna stop. It's like a waterfall. It just keeps going. It just keeps going. You know, there's rocks that are in these, in these rivers and, and over years and years and years of that water just rolling over those rocks, it begins to smooth, those, it begins to smooth, smooth over all the hard edges, right? Come on, sometimes that's us in this culture. We're like, you know, we're strong. And then it just keeps rolling over us and keeps rolling over us. And eventually like we start getting worn down to where we're like, eh, who cares? And all of a sudden we begin to conform our standards. We begin to conform our thinking to this culture. We begin to say things like, I guess it makes sense. I mean, I don't know if the Bible really says that. And then compromise begins to take place. And, and right here, Paul's saying, don't let that happen. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the way that you think. The battle for your soul starts with the way that you think, guys. The battle for your family starts in the way that you think. And if the enemy can get in that place of your heart and your life and your mind, if he can get there, then he's really got the rest of you. We talk a lot about conduct versus condition because the way that we act is really based out of how the, how the, way, that we, the way that we think. You know what I'm saying? The way that I look at the, the problem is how I'll see the solutions. The, all of these things, there's, there's this sequence and this pattern to the way that we live. And the way that we think eventually will be the way that we act. And that's why it's so important that we have this, uh, this awareness of the way that we're thinking. Are you aware of the way that you think? Are you aware of the way that you process things in your family, things in your, in your job, things in your world? Are you aware of what's informing your thoughts? Because we're all intaking. Even in Christianity, there are thousands of voices, literally. Thousands of ways of looking at things and all of those those ways of looking at things, those, those perspectives lead to different outcomes. The way that we interpret the scripture, the way that we interpret how we're supposed to live our lives, the way that we, how we're supposed to raise our family, the way that our marriage is supposed to operate. All of these things, again, we're intaking information. We're intaking something that then begins to play out in the way that we live. And so we've got to be transformed in our heart. We've got to be transformed in our thoughts and I believe that God's will is for disciples to have a biblical worldview or a biblical mindset. Last thing I'll say about this before I move on is that there is a fight for the church's worldview right now. There's a literal battle and there are different philosophies that are coming into play that are seeking to cause the church to look at scripture differently, to look at the world differently and redefine some things in a non-biblical way. And we've got to be aware of it. We gotta be aware of it. And some of these things are new. They're newer in our society. 
So the question is, are we gonna maintain a biblical worldview in regards to gender? Are we gonna remain steadfast in our view of what the word of God says in that regard? In regards to, to anything having to do with sex, are we going to maintain where we stand with those things in a biblical format or are we gonna allow the, the waterfall of the world to continue to just smooth us out to where we then don't know what we believe? It's a fight, y'all. And let me tell you something, it's a fight for your kids. Because for a lot of you, you're like, man, I, dude, I get it. I get the nuances and I, I understand all that. But, 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 but how are your kids gonna interpret that information? That's all I have time for today. All right, keep moving, keep moving. Number three, my desires, my desires. Titus says this, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. How many of y'all that sounds like your life before Jesus? Like that's about it. <laughs> Some of you are like, actually it kind of sounds like my life right now. Um, <laughs> That's why we're talking about this. Verse four, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Thank God. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Come on, we talked about that last month, y'all. Whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Notice in this, he talks about, we were once foolish and disobedient, led astray. We were slaves to various passions and pleasures. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Did you know that before Jesus, that you were literally a slave to unrighteousness? Like you didn't have a choice. You thought you did. You thought you were in freedom, but you were actually in bondage. You were in bondage to your passions and desires that come from the flesh, not from the spirit, from the flesh. And so our desires have to be transformed because left to ourselves, we have some very strong desires and typically they have nothing to do with pleasing God. And they have to be transformed. They have to be transformed. Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, the desires of your heart, so many people nowadays are all about their own desires or about our own desires. Um, how many of you have ever said this or you've heard somebody else say, it's just, you know what life is about? It's just about whether you're happy or not. And you know what? If you're happy, I'm happy. If I'm happy, you're happy. Is everybody happy? Like, I just wanna be happy, all right? And, and really what that is, is basically, if all the things that I want to happen, happen, I'm happy. And if all the desires that I have in me are fulfilled, then I'm happy. The, the problem is, is that our, our, our heart is deceitful. Our desires are deceitful. And we think in our own self, if we fulfill all of our desires, that we will actually be fulfilled. But what's crazy about sinful desires is that it is a black hole. You can pour every day all your money, all of your effort into trying to fill that black hole and it's never, there's never gonna be a bottom to it. It's never gonna fill up. So one of the, one of the, the key differences between uh, uh, 
the satanic Bible in our Bible is it's, it's amazing if you read some of the things and some of the thought processes. It, it says it says if you have a desire, completely give yourself to fulfilling those desires, so that way the temptation will go away. That's jacked up, in case you didn't know. All right, that makes absolutely no sense, right? Because those the, the way that that thinking leads to more and more bondage, where where God says. Don't do that. Actually follow me and, and I will release you from that bondage. And actually here it says, give you the desires of your heart. Here's the deal though. If you delight yourself in the Lord, your desires that your heart have will be in alignment with his and then he will then fulfill those desires in him, not in this world. Does that make sense? See, people take scriptures and they make it say what they wanna say. You know, God says, if I delight in him, he'll give me what I want. Yeah, if, if what you want is in alignment with his will, <laughs> you know, but many times we don't really want the will of God. Not really. Because his will sometimes doesn't make sense to us, right? I don't understand why the thing that I want, and didn't, want it didn't happen. Not my will, but your will be done, right? Jesus said that right before he went on the cross. Not my will, but your will be done. My desires need to be transformed. My desires need to be aligned with Jesus's desires. That's why the prayer that I pray quite often is, is God, don't just change what I do, change what I wanna do. Don't just, God, like, behavior is, is important. Don't get me wrong, y'all. Conduct's important. But like, I wanna get to that place where my desires that actually produce those actions are changed to a, to a place where these actions just dissipate. These negative actions dissipate, right? Like, like, like that's the prayer I think that a true disciple prays is Lord, change my desires. Change who I am from the inside out. Disciples of Jesus grow to love what he loves, value what he values and hate what he hates. Yes, God hates some things, y'all. Their affections are set on things of God and those affections grow to supersede the attractions of sin and the things of this world. This is a fight. This is a battle. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter seven when he talks about the tension between what he does and what he wanted to do, right? He's like, man, I'm, I have this tension in me between, between the things of the spirit and, and my spirit longing one direction and my flesh pulling the other direction. This is a tension that we are in all the time. But here's the deal. Our desires lead to this next thing. Our desires lead to actions, and that's the next thing that, need, uh, that needs to be changed. Now notice we put actions after three other things because if you just go to actions, you're missing, you're putting the cart before the horse. But eventually y'all, eventually, there's gotta be a change in the way that we live our lives, okay? Like our behavior needs to change. So like, let me give you an example. If you are, were a liar, now that you follow Jesus, stop lying. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm really surprised at how many times I see Christians bend the truth. And for me, I can't help but think, what else are you bending? 
In what other situations are you bending the truth to make it fit your story? What happened to just straight up honesty? Integrity. Like what you say is what you do. Did you know that it's, it's not proper to say something that's not the truth? Did you know that? So, and like, even if it's just slightly inaccurate, if you know that you're leaving out information in order to frame the story a certain way, it's lying. It's dishonesty. And, and here's really what it is for me. Why don't you feel conviction about it? Because if we're led by the spirit, y'all, I don't know, like, like there's just something that should be in us that just won't let us go. It just won't, it won't. I don't care if your buddies do the same thing. It doesn't matter. Where is the connection between you and Jesus? Because eventually, come on, y'all, we can hide the way that we think and the way that we, uh, our heart and our desires and all that we can, but y'all, we can't hide how we act. We can't do it. The fruit is on the tree. Everybody's looking at it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Now, that doesn't mean it's gotta be this big judgmental type of thing. However, can we be honest about it? Can we be honest about it? I mean, now I'm right here with you on this one. How many times have you ever done something and then you're like, you kind of regret it and then you're like, like, oh man, that's that's not me. That wasn't wasn't me. (laughs) Come on, y'all. Anybody? Like you try to like, you know, kind of back out of it. You know, you said it. You're like, oh, that, that that wasn't me. And it's like, no, 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 no. No, it was. You said that. You did that. Like you did that. So that was you. But we try to justify, we try to justify, but sometimes our actions actually reveal our desires more than we think. Sometimes our desires reveal more about our heart and our thoughts than, than we'd like to admit, but it's the way it is. And as disciples, we're called to a life of brokenness and surrender in those areas where, where we live a life of repentance. We live a life of repentance where we don't justify our sin, we repent of it. And you know what's amazing? It's it's actually not that complicated. It's not that complicated. We admit, we submit, we surrender, we repent, and then the righteous person, we get back up. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the process of sanctification, y'all. That our behavior, our actions would be transformed like, like those people that you hung out with before you got saved and now that you're saved, like is there anything about the way that you act that's different than what it was before? Like if you were sleeping around before and you're still sleeping around now, your actions are speaking much louder than, than your words, right? Like, like all of those things come into play at this point. And again, it's, what, what a lot of people do is they hide their actions. So then they, they, they live one way around Christians, you know, the church, and then they live another way outside the church. And we're just not called to that, y'all. We're called to live the same everywhere. That's what we're called to. It's not legalistic. It's pleasing. It's pleasing to God. Our actions have to change. The Bible says in John 14, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you, if you love me, if you love me, it's kind of like your spouse, you know, if you love me, you, you won't, you know, treat me like that. 
But the, by the way that you treat me, it, it's telling me that you don't love me or you don't, you don't, you know what I'm saying? It's the same thing here. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Obedience is a response to the love of God. First Corinthians, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And everything that you do, you've got to realize that every day that you live is a sacrifice to God. It really is. You are a living sacrifice. You're worshiping God in the way that you live your life. So let's worship him well. Let's sacrifice like Jesus. Let's serve like Jesus. Let's continue on in the process of sanctification of becoming more like Jesus. I'm not talking about perfection and sinless perfection on this earth. We're always gonna make mistakes, okay? We're always gonna mess up and then have to repent. And this is just the process. However, we should be progressing and trending as, as individuals. We should be progressing in the right direction, y'all. Y'all agree? Y'all agree? Come on. The, the, the two more things. The next thing is my relationships. Your relationships need to be transformed. And we could spend a long time talking about relationships, but, but our relationships need to be transformed. First Thessalonians 5, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. I have a question for you. Are the people that you are around, that you hang out with, are they building you up in Christ? Are they building you up in Christ? Are they, are they stirring you to forgiveness and holiness and purity and honor? Are they stirring you to devote your life to Christ? Or whenever you leave hanging out with him, do you feel like you're farther away from him? Who are those people that you're closest to? Whenever you walk away from a conversation or a dinner hanging out with somebody, even if they're in the church, do you walk away with just this greater understanding of who God is? I'm not talking about some grandiose, ridiculous revelation. I'm just talking about like, is there this thing that when you're a married couple and you hang out with another married couple, like do they stir you to be a better, have a better marriage? I think everybody should have some friends like that. But what happens is a lot of people, they get saved. I'm a follower of Jesus but yet they're not around other people who actually are followers of Jesus. And next week we're talking about evangelism. And so we'll get to what that looks like in our life because we shouldn't just be only with Christians. It's not what I'm saying. But for today, let's talk about this. Who you're around affects how you live your life. Come on, intake. Who you're around, the way that they think, it's messing with you. You might not know it, it's messing with you. Be aware of that, your relationships. Who are you around? Are they stirring you to live a life that honors God? And lastly is this, the sixth thing that needs to be transformed is our purpose. Your purpose as a follower of Christ is transformed into what God's purpose is for your life, not your own. Right now, not what your parents told you your purpose was your whole, whole life. Your purpose is what God says your purpose is. And you live out of this well of what your purpose is. Your purpose needs to be clarified because the world is trying to define, define your purpose according to its standards, but God has his own set of rules. He's got his own set of, of standards. Young people, the world is trying to wrap its hands around your neck. It's trying to define a lot of things for you. Young adults, you're going to college, your professors, yeah, they've got some, they've got some ideas. They've got some ideas. 
And guess what? All the people that are in your, I was talking to somebody this past week about their school and their class and all the stuff that's getting said. And, uh, and now with online learning, you can have people from all over the nation and the world indoctrinating you on, on what they think about how you should live your life. And, uh, and typically it has nothing to do with how, what Jesus says about how we should live our life. And so, so y- y- the world is just, it's just closing in on you. Try to define to you everything about you. You gotta be in your word. You gotta be around some people who actually have faith in Jesus Christ and who are holding to that. Because you don't stand a chance in this culture. I'm just gonna be honest with you. This next, I'd say the next 10 years of, 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 of this nation, we are gonna encounter some crazy stuff, y'all. This whole, anyway, I gotta keep going, man. So. I'm gonna preach it, don't worry. I'm gonna preach it. When the time comes, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on y'all a lot of stuff so uh, our purpose is to glorify God win the lost and disciple the saved it's our purpose ultimately if you don't feel like you have a purpose your purpose is to glorify God your purpose is to win the lost and your purpose is to disciple the saved the goal is not just to be a disciple the goal is also to help other people be disciples did you know that part of your discipleship is helping others to become disciples. If you aren't actively in some way, shape and form in your life, actively a part of helping other people become a disciple, a follower of Jesus, then you're missing a component of what it means for you to be a disciple. That's, that's biblical. Everything in the, in the word has this mission attached to it and it's all about us as believers being on mission. It's part of your purpose. It's part of your own discipleship. Colossians 1, 28, and then we're gonna close. We read this last week. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. We, we, we may present everyone mature in Christ. I really want you guys to get this idea in this series, especially these two weeks, that the mission that we're on is not just a mission that I'm on. It, it, we're missing it if that's the case. If you, if you come each week and you look and you say, yeah, that's the pastor and he's on mission, he's doing it, but, but really I'm not called to, to that. We're, 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 we're misreading what the word of God is saying. Every service that we're in, every small group that we're in, every time that you sit around the dinner table with your family, every day that you're at work, every time you're riding in the car for 15 minutes with that coworker going from point A to point B, every time that you're praying over your kids before they go to bed, every time that you're posting on Facebook, every time that you're doing anything, you're in this process. We are helping one another mature in our relationship with God. And we're, there's also a ton of people outside of this room right now who don't know Jesus, that we are, 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 are on mission to reach. So I really want us to, to kind of grasp that big idea, that big thought, not to get wrapped up in methodology without having a proper missiology. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, we open up our hearts to you right now. We thank you for your word. And God, right now, I pray that you speak to us. God, in those areas in our life right now where we are uh, maybe calloused, maybe those areas where we've grown cold, where we haven't really thought about discipleship in this way, 
where our, 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 our transformation has maybe even stopped. For some of you, I know it's just the way that it goes. You've been saved for a long time. You've been in church a long time or whatever. And, and it's like you're around it so much that you've actually gotten sort of calloused or used to. You've just gotten used to the environment. You've gotten used to being called a Christian. But if you really look at your progress, your closeness with God, you know that there's a lack you know that there's a gap and you, and, and, and you know that there needs to be a change. Well, I just wanna let you know that God hasn't moved. God hasn't left. God hasn't changed. We've got to be humble enough to admit whenever we maybe have an issue, maybe we've stagnated. Some of you, there's no hunger for God. There's no desires for the things of God. Your desires are simply about whatever you have Monday through Saturday. Like honestly, your, your job or, or entertainment or, or whatever. And you know, man, at the end of the day, I really am not desiring God. Some of you, there is actually a desire. There's a desire to change, but it's not making its way into your actions. You're looking at the way that you actually act and you're like, I know, I know it's not right. I know it's not right. Some of you, you're acting right. You really are. But you've totally lost sight of your purpose. And so everything that you've grown in when in regards to growing in Christ, it's been very individual. It's been for you, but it hasn't made its way past you into those around you. And today God's dealing with you about that. Wherever we're at in this place, I believe God's dealing with us. The last person I wanna to talk to in this room are those of you who are far from God. When I talked about your heart being transformed, you know that that first step hasn't happened. Maybe you even feel like God's calling you, but you're not answering that call. Right here, right now, I wanna give you the opportunity to answer that call. I'm not saving you Jesus is. But this is a moment where you surrender all that you are to him. And you could pray a prayer like this or you could pray your own prayer, but let's pray. Say, God, I surrender my heart to you right now. All that I am, I ask that you would forgive me of my sin, that you redeem me, you restore my life. God, that I would truly live a life for your glory. Take the sin out of my heart and give me a heart of flesh that knows you and hears you and obeys. I thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. Right now, I wanna take a moment for us to respond. We're gonna sing one more song here in just a moment, but for right now, I want us to just respond. Come on, right now, just lift your hands. Because a lot of you, your, your actions, your behavior, your heart, your desires, a lot of these things, this is where you're at. You said, man, I, I, need, I need Jesus to change me, to transform me. So God, right now, I pray that you would transform each and every one of us into your image. God, we need you. We need you, Father. God, to break every chain. Some of you are in bondage right now. You need Jesus to break off the chains. 
you're trying to run through life, but you got a parachute attached to your back and you just can't get any traction, come on right now, say, Jesus, I pray that you deliver me. I pray that you redeem me, restore me. We need you, God. We need you, Father. God, let this place be a place of hope, a place of healing, a place of restoration. Come on, God, you change everything. And so, God, we need you to change us, to transform us out of darkness into light, out of darkness into light. Come on, let's sing this together. so hard depending on Christ's mighty powerful works in us. God, we know, Lord Jesus, that we can't do this without you. We know, God, that all of these things that Jordan talked about, our heart and our desires and our actions and our purpose, Lord Jesus, that none of that changes without you, God. And we thank you, God, that you're along the ride with us, Lord Jesus, that you're carrying us, God, and you help us, Lord, to change with your help, Lord Jesus. We can do all of these things. We just worship you and we praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Good morning, what an amazing morning, y'all. What a challenging message and what a call to our community for us. My name's Brittany and I'm on the team here at Northwood and part of this amazing family. If it's your first time here, 
and you've not actually jumped in to be part of our family or if you've been coming but you want to take that next step to become part of our family, um, there's a next steps card in the seat back in front of you. We want to connect with you. We want to get to know you and we want to get you plugged in here so that you have the support of the family of Northwood. You can fill this card out and you can take it to the next steps area in the back and um, someone will be there to talk to you, answer any questions and um, get your card so that we can get in touch with you this week. If this message really tugged on your heart and if you're standing there and you've accepted Christ for the first time, or you're looking at things and you don't quite know how this maps out, but you would like some prayer. We have prayer partners here today and um, y'all, their heart is to share Jesus with you and to support you and to lift you up. So if for any reason you would like prayer, come up to the front today. They're gonna be here ready and waiting to pray for you. They've actually came to service this morning before everybody got here and prayed over all the seats and have just been in prayer for you all day long. So they're excited to be here for you. Um, As we go through this holiday season, we've got lots of opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, One of the ways is through the partnership that we have with uh, Gulf Coast Community Ministries and they're camping for hope. So over the next week, we'll be collecting camping items for camping for hope. That's tents, propane bottles, sleeping bags, any kind of camping supplies. You can bring them here and um, we'll have those for the event um, that's coming up in December and we'll have sign up information and everything for that event as we get closer. Um, But if you wanna be part of just the donations, you bring those to church next Sunday, which is the 29th, the week after Thanksgiving. So um, what a great day, guys. I just hope y'all have a great day. And like I said, go ahead and get plugged in if you're here for the first time. We're super excited to have you. Have a happy Thanksgiving and a great week.